Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you today? I pray that you are well and that all manner of things are well and that you are trusting that in this um, epidemic, pandemic, crazy time, uh, that you are trusting that God is allowing all this uh, to bring us to him. We've, we've talked about uh, the purpose, the end of man is to know, to love, and to serve God. And everything he does, or that he allows to happen to us, his beloved, those who are uh, his through baptism, everything that he allows to touch us is in his love and in his wisdom. So if you're trying to figure out how are you going to support your family during this time? How are the children going to be taught? How are you going to put food on the table? Those are legitimate, and those you must uh, deal with those issues because they're essentials for sure, but not with anguish, not with worry, not with anger or fear. Trust that God is putting you in this circumstance um, to teach you to give you the way. And as long as you stay close to him and you pray and you live the faith without compromise, even if you compromise a little, his love is greater than our sin. His mercy is greater than our sin. And he will lead you. Don't fear. If, if we fear, it's because we're not in control and we don't know what's going to happen and we don't know how we're going to handle it. But um, the fact is, we're not in control. God is. And when we think we're in control, God will let us know we're not. So uh, no fear, beloved. Just trust that God is really bringing us back to the faith, to be the remnant, um, uh, hopefully a large, large, large remnant that is going to be faithful to him, that is going to keep the faith, that is going to raise our families um, and not depend upon public institutions, schools, anything else. If we can begin to grow our own food um, or, or somehow um, make provisions for having some months of food in our house, I think it's the time to do that. So um, uh, just don't worry about the future, beloved. Um, you know the expression that we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And God does. And so um, if you fear what may come upon us, say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the idea. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but let me begin. Lead me, guide me, uh, give me the thoughts to help me to begin to make provision to protect myself, my family, um, friends, uh, whatever it may be. And you can be busy about doing that instead of fearing. If we're afraid we'll have no food, it's foolish. Why should we sit here and be afraid? We can figure out if we have no food for three months, six months, whatever it is, we can say, okay, what do I need? And just go get water and get 
50-pound bag of rice, 50-pound bag of beans. You can live on that a long time. (laughs) See, so not to worry, beloved, but to trust what God is doing and cling to him through it and make no provisions at all that go against what God would want. Absolutely none. And you can say, Mother, that's easy for you to say. But it's not easy to say. It is. It's not too difficult to say. Uh, It's living it out. That's the issue. But you know, if you trust, you live it out in peace. Uh, We're doing that here. I'm letting you know at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, we are putting together three months of food. It's always a good idea to do that. And we put together things that are going to last and plenty of water, uh, and whatever we need. And we put it together, and we figure it out, and we live in peace. And if nothing happens to cause us to use that little pile of food, then we begin to eat it. It's fine. That's why we bought it, to eat it. Um, Not to worry, beloved, only to love God and to stay close to Him. That is what's important. So... um, And we we said yesterday in the Baltimore Catechism, um, why is it necessary to know God, to know him, not just to know about him, not just to believe he exists, but to know him. God is a person. He's three persons in one Godhead. Why is it not a good idea, but necessary to know God? And the answer is, it is necessary to know God because without knowing him, we cannot love him. You cannot love. If you say, do you love God? Yes, I do. Do you know him? Uh, What do you mean by knowing him? You see, if you know God, then we can love him. And without loving him, we cannot be saved. Without loving God, we cannot be saved. And the catechism is not speaking here about the degree of emotion. Don't worry about your emotion at all. We love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's how we know we love him, by what we do. That's it. Not what we say, not what we feel, not what we intend, but um, by what we do. And, and in part, what we desire as well. We should know God because he is infinitely true. And we should love him because he is infinitely beautiful. And serve him because he's infinitely good. Of which must we take more care, our soul or our body? Tell me. Our soul or our body? Come on, everybody. Which must we take more care? Yes, we must take more care of our soul. And you say, well, but we don't have a soul if we don't have a body. Not so. If we die, our soul uh, continues. Our body is buried and will uh, be raised at the resurrection of the last day. But our soul does not die. It goes to be with God or purgatory or hell. Those are the three choices. And if it's in purgatory, then it's on its way to heaven. Purgatory is not a second chance. It's for the cleansing of temporal sin for those who are on their way to heaven but cannot enter just yet. So then, why must we take more care of our soul than our body? Why? Come on, you can answer that. Ask your children to answer that. Why must we take more care of our soul than our body? And the answer is not because, we don't start a sentence with because, but full sentences, children. We must take more care of our soul than our body because in losing our soul, we lose God and everlasting happiness. If we lose God, we lose everything. We won't be in heaven 
there's no happiness, and the purpose for which we were created is destroyed. What must we do to save our souls? Now, in my 18 Protestant years, I would have said, well, that shows whoever asked that question is not a Christian because we don't save our souls. God saves them, but it's not true. You see, we have to say yes to God. In my Protestant years, we would send teams out and knock on doors and say, um, do you know for sure two questions, the evangelist and explosion questions. If you die tonight, are you sure you would be in heaven with God? And people would say, well, I don't know. Okay, and then we'd say the second question. Suppose you did die tonight and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? And we'd come across most Catholics and they'd say, well, I don't know. I've been good. I've tried to keep the Ten Commandments. And we'd say, "Uh uh-uh, no, you're not saved. As a Protestant, we would say that. And we would say, because you can't do anything to save yourself. It's all of God. We cannot save ourselves. All we have to do is ask Jesus into our heart. Uh-oh, isn't that doing something? Isn't that do- Because Jesus did it all, then why do we have to ask him into our heart? We have to respond, in other words. We have to do something. It's always the case. It is always the case. What must we do to save our souls? To save our souls, we must worship God by faith, hope, and charity. That is, we must believe in him and hope in him and love him with all our heart. You see, that's the only way we can ask him into our heart and into our soul, which we don't need to do. He comes there automatically when we're baptized. What does worship mean? Worship means to give honor, divine honor, Worship means to give divine honor, honor to worship God, to give divine honor by acts such as the offering of prayer or sacrifice. Now, pardon me, beloved. I've read some old books, uh, pre-Vatican II books, that talk about worship being the saints, the worship of Mary and the saints. And if you look up the dictionary, the word worship it means worth, it's two words that were put together, worth-ship, that is, giving someone his worth, or as Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, the honor that he is due. And so that's what worship, when we worship someone, we're giving them, we don't use it today because today the word is used pretty much solely as divine worship to worship God, but to worship someone is as a, if a husband says to his wife, I worship my wife, I worship her. And he's not putting her in the, in the place of God. He's saying, I just love her with all my heart. I think the world of her. I adore her. But he's not speaking of it as God. It's still a human being. And we'd say, but do you love your wife more than God? Well, no, no, of course not. I love my wife more because of God, you see. So those are the words we use today. Worship is not a bad word. It means to give honor to those to whom honor is due. Okay, beloved, there's the music for our first break. We'll be back, and after the second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, and your texts. Toll free, the number is 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. It's so good to be with you. And we're going to try to dig a little bit in more to the Baltimore Catechism. Why am I doing this in the midst of such crazy times? Because I think we're going to need to know the faith on our own. Um, uh, most of the faithful, I would say, I came into the church, three generations were lost to the faith. And I would say a good majority of Catholics uh, do not know their faith today because they haven't been taught. Our priests, our bishops, for the most part, have truly not taught the faith. And so um, uh, it's up to us, beloved, and there's nothing wrong with that. God has given us the ability to read and, and to hear and uh, to know the faith. And we, if we, when we stand before, when, please God, we stand before God, we will not um, be able to have any excuse for not knowing the faith. Well, my priest didn't teach me this, but can't you read? You had a catechism. You could have known. You are responsible for the faith. We must know the faith, beloved. And you, parents, mom and dad, are responsible for your children knowing the faith. It's time we do this, especially in the days in which we live, where our freedoms are not so gradually, I should say, being taken from us. We must know our faith. What happens if um, all of a sudden our books and our churches are taken from us? Then what? 
then can then we're going to be in a total spiritual wilderness. We should not be. We should know our faith. We should memorize it. Memorize some scriptures. Memorize the Baltimore Catechism. We can do that. Everyone memorizes their uh, address and phone number and uh, friends' phone numbers and uh, many things for school tests. We can memorize it. We can memorize. We can help each other. We cannot know that we're going to be able to depend on the gifts we have today and the freedoms we have today. So now, the next question here is, um, how shall we know the things which we are to believe? And the answer is, um, we shall know the things we are to believe from the Catholic Church through which God speaks to us. Isn't that a simple answer, beloved? Say to your children, how do you know what it is you are to believe? And the child should say, because we have. No, he shouldn't. No sentence starting with because. Or no through the Catholic Church. Let him repeat the question. Let her repeat the question with the answer because it makes them more responsible. And if they have an answer that's not correct, it's going to come out to them by hearing themselves more clearly. How shall we know the things which we are to believe? We shall know the things which we are to believe from the Catholic Church through which God speaks to us. That's it, beloved. How do we know that? Because God established the church. How do we know that? Matthew chapter 16. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will lead you into all truth at all times. Read Matthew chapter 14 and following. It is God who establishes church. And when he established his church, he gave us uh, all the revelation that we are to be given. Uh, He wrote the New Testament. He wrote the Old Covenant and the New. Covenant and Testament are interchangeable words. He wrote the Old Covenant, the Old Testament through the prophets, and the New Testament through the apostles. And that's it. When the last apostle died... No more revelation. That's it. It is, says St. Jude in the little letter of Jude, the faith once delivered to the saints. Once. Finito. That's it. Now, you may learn things as a child from your parents uh, that, you know, a child could say God loves you. And you know that. But when you're 15, you're going to know a little more what that means. God loves me and he's given me all things and he's given me my parents and he protects me and he, he gives me a mind to think and a heart to love and ears to see and feet to walk, you know, more. And when you are 50, you know a lot more of God. It's not that uh, anything has become true of God that wasn't true of him before. It's that as we grow we realize what that truth means, and it explodes. Um, uh, Did you ever hear, uh, what's the expression? My own cousin had said it to me. She said, I, I, um, uh, that particular teacher, she said, I really disliked him. I couldn't stand what he was teaching, Uh, you know. But now, 10 years later, I'm surprised at how much he's grown and how much he's learned. Isn't that crazy? Of course, the teacher has it. Hopefully, he has in 10 years. But it's us that grow and learn, and our minds are open. What do we mean by the church through which God speaks to us? By the church through which God speaks to us. Now, again, 
yeah, I, this may seem annoying to you that I keep repeating this, but you need to train your children this way. And if they say, well, we, because, no. By the church, they need to repeat the question in the answer because then they'll have it in their mind. They'll have it in their mind. It'll sink into their hearts. By the church through which God speaks to us, we mean the teaching church. The teaching church, that is, the Pope, bishops, and priests whose duty it is to instruct us in the truths and practices of our religion. That's their duty, to instruct us in the truths and the practices of our religion. And they have for 2,000 years, beloved. And we have many good priests and bishops today who continue that. But we have many that have fallen away and that no longer believe. And we are responsible. Not, that's not something new. That's always been the case. We are responsible to know our faith. And our pastors, our priests, our bishops can help us further. But we are not to depend on them as children. We are to grow up into the knowledge of God. Where shall we find the chief truths which the church teaches? Now, if somebody says uh, the catechism in the Bible, it's not a proper answer. They need to repeat the question and the answer. We shall find the chief truths which the church teaches in... Finish the sentence. No, I think a lot of you didn't get that. It's two words. The first word begins with an A, and the second word begins with a C. Some of you got it now. The Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed, beloved. Because the the disciples in the early church summed up the truths of the faith, what, the, what we must believe to be a Christian, to sign on the dotted line. I could put my name here. I'm a Christian. And they were only Catholic. There was nothing other than the church Christ established then. And that's it. All summed up in the Apostles' Creed. Now, we can, uh, we can um, how do I want to say this? Uh, we can know much more than the Apostles' Creed. And when we... Um, Excuse me. Um, and as we grow and we read the catechism and we learn in school, um, hold on, I'm looking up. Um, and you know, it's not just all of that. We learn a lot more. But the Apostles' Creed is the exact, um, the exact wording. It's the summary of the faith uh, that we are to know. Um, okay, I want to bring up the definition here. The Apostles' Creed. Um, uh, uh, creed means I believe. I'm sorry, I wanted to get something up for you, and I don't think I'll get... I wanted to give you the exact definition of the Apostles' Creed. It's simply what the Apostles have put together. Um, there's the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, Um and these are the oldest statements of the faith, again, put together by uh, the apostles. Um, okay, now I'm not sure. Uh, okay, oh, I see what this is. You know, I'm reading on a website, and it looks like they're crossed out. Um, I'm not sure here. Okay, 
I'm going to, we're going to cut, we only have a couple of minutes left. So we will do this. We will do this tomorrow because it's a summary of the faith, again, that the, that the Catholic Church has put together. Um, okay. Look, you know, it's amazing that when you look up the Apostles and, and Nicene Creed, we know them both. We say them every day. We say them in the rosary. But it's, you, you simply cannot... Um, it's hard to find it because it's so many different quote unquote denominations in the, in the church, not in the Catholic church. The Catholic church is the one Christ established, but so many, um, other, uh, denominations. We're not a denomination. The Catholic church is not a denomination. It is the church Christ established all of Protestant Protestantism, which broke away primarily through Martin Luther in the 16th century, the 1500s, broke away from the Catholic Church, kept quite a bit, threw the rest out, threw some scriptures out, threw beliefs out, threw the papacy out, threw authority out, threw so much out. And what we have today is what God has given. And the Apostles' Creed and you'll find that also said in different churches, different Christian who call themselves Christian denominations, but they change it to suit their beliefs. But the initials, the initial, the formal Apostles' Creed is, you know it by heart, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now, beloved, we say that every day in the rosary, I pray you do also, and in many other, at many other times. Your children, even if they're three years old, can learn that by heart. And the point that the Baltimore Catechism is making is, if we know that by heart, but even if we read it, if we believe that and read that, we know the essentials of our faith. And nobody can be Catholic unless they believe that. They don't have to know it by heart, but they must believe it in order to be Catholic. There is the summary of the faith. So um, where shall we find, this is question 158, where shall we find the chief truths which the church teaches? We shall find the chief truths which the church teaches in the Apostles' Creed. So, beloved, if you're sitting down to teach your children, get a catechism. It's four sections. Go to the section on the Apostles' Creed, and it will take you through the entire faith. It's a wonderful way to learn the faith. It has all the explanations, the scripture references, the saint quotes. It's perfect. All right, beloved, there's the music for our second break, and we will return right after that with your calls, your questions, uh, anything on your heart. Call toll-free 1-877-511-5483. Our lines are wide open, beloved, 
or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at faithfulinsight.com and may God bless you. affliction. Blessed, O Lord, be thy name forever. Who has permitted this affliction to come upon us? We cannot escape it, but must of necessity fly to thee to help us and turn it to our good. Lord, we are now in affliction. Our souls are ill at ease, for we are much troubled with this present suffering. Let it please thee, O Lord, to deliver us, for poor wretches that we are, What can we do without Thee? Thy mighty hand can do all things. Give us patience, O Lord, and strength and peace. Help us, O God, and we will not fear, no matter how grievously we may be afflicted. O Lord, Thy will be done. Welcome be the will of God. Sacred Heart of Jesus, we place our trust in Thee. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. We have a whole half hour all to myself. I love this part of the program where we can talk and you can call in with anything on your heart and it does not have to be what the subject we're on. And I've said often, I will say it again, that the um, the heart of the matter is the matter of a, your heart. So call in with anything on your heart. And you know I cannot always answer all questions, but at least we can give you references where you may be able to find the right answer. We have a text from Mario. Mario says, I have a question. I attended my brother-in-law's wedding rehearsal tonight at a particular church. I, I don't want to give the name. He gives the priest's name as well. And he says, when we got to the Eucharist, and how to receive it on the hand. I asked if he would allow me to receive on the tongue. He replied, quote, I know I should allow it, but I won't. It's too dangerous, end quote. I was taken aback and my heart sank. I also know he's not allowed to deny me communion for that reason. I'm torn and undecided on what to do. Well, I don't know your diocese, but I would do two things. The first thing I would do is print out an article 
uh, LifeSite News, you will find an article, uh, and there have been studies done to show that communion on the tongue is less, it's not dangerous at all, in fact, but it's communion on the hand is much more dangerous, much more dangerous. Um, if there's any danger at all of receiving the virus, it is on the hands, so not on the tongue. If a priest knows how to distribute communion on the tongue properly, he doesn't even touch the person, he doesn't touch the tongue, and there's no problem in the world. But um, your priest is wrong. He's going against church teaching. And I would ask him, it's too dangerous for what and for whom? And if he says, for you, say, Father, that's my choice. And if he said, it's too dangerous for me to serve communion on the tongue, I would ask him why. He doesn't have to touch your tongue. Um, And uh, he could have a bottle of uh, sand sanitizer, sanitizer. That's easy for you to say. Hand sanitizer right next to him, which is what some churches do. It's it just it, it's the way it is. But um, bring him uh, the um, information. You can get that on the web of the study that's been done that proves communion on the tongue is safer. And that if he knows that for no reason at all, no reason at all, any priest should refuse communion on the tongue. Give him those two, the church teaching and the scientific study on communion on the hand versus the tongue. And let him read it and say, Dear Father, uh, this is heartbreaking to me. And if uh, I'm going to check with our bishop to make sure to see what we should do. And you can do that. Tell him if you're going to go to the bishop, tell him you're going to go to the bishop. Um if he refuses the order of the bishop, well, that's now going to be between him and God and him and the bishop. So you're saying, I'm torn and undecided what to do. Well, if you're at a, a church that is not your parish and they won't serve you communion on the tongue, there's really nothing you can do about it on the spot. You can choose to receive communion on the hand or simply not to receive communion. That's completely up to you. There's no shoulds here. Um, if it's your church that will not serve you communion on the tongue, I would simply go to another church. Um, and some priests will say, well, all right, but come up last. Whatever it is, uh, everyone is required to give communion on the tongue. But again, um, uh, if it's a one-time issue, then you the decision is yours. You're not wrong for receiving communion on the hand. If it absolutely goes against you, then you don't receive communion. That's absolutely your choice. Again, go to a church that will serve you communion on the tongue on a regular basis. And if you cannot, for whatever reasons, or you will not, you don't want to, for whatever reasons, then you decide whether you want to receive communion on the hand or not at all. In that case, um, you know, my, my heart sinks at the thought of receiving communion on my hand. I've never done it since I'm in the church 25 years now. Never, ever. But I, I think if that's what we came down to, I probably would, rather than deny our Lord and deny my receiving him uh, for years. I, I don't think uh, I would make that choice, even though I don't want to give in to debauchery and to the degradation of the faith. But um, it, it really depends on the circumstance. 
So we have an email from Mark who says, Hi, Mother. Please stop saying you cannot name candidates and talk about political things in church. It is not true. The president signed an executive order in 2017 directing the Treasury Department to not take action against nonprofits as far as penalty and removing 501c3 status. The priests and bishops are hiding behind this old rule. Please announce this new policy so we can have some brave priests speak out in church. Well, Mark, if I knew for sure that was the case, I would announce it. But um, our wonderful engineer, Mike, at Station of the Cross, sent me an article. I'm going to read to you one paragraph of the article. Mike is right on top of things. I would have to first look it up, but Mike is on the ball. And he says, yes, it says, yes, President Trump signed this executive order promoting free speech, religious liberty. It directs the Secretary of the Treasury to exercise discretion to avoid taking any adverse action against an individual house of worship or religious organization that speaks about moral or political issues from a religious perspective, including the revocation of 501c3 status. Um, According to President Trump, This executive order removes the financial threat faced by tax-exempt churches from the Internal Revenue Service when pastors speak out on behalf of political candidates. That's not totally the case. We can speak about um, political, moral and political issues from a religious perspective. I did that yesterday by giving us the five non-negotiable issues on which we must base our votes Uh, We must base our votes on that. We cannot vote for someone who's for abortion, same cell research, human cloning, euthanasia, uh, and same-sex marriage. We cannot do that. We cannot do that. Uh, No matter what else we think, no matter what they think about the economy or anything else, if we vote for those moral evils, we are participating in their acts, and we are responsible for the abortions committed through the laws they Um, promote. So very, very serious. However, uh, the article that Mike sent me, and it's a wonderful one, it's um, it's titled um, What President Trump's Executive Order Means for 501c3 Political Activity. Um, And this paragraph sums sums it up. So does this executive order free religious 501c3 charitable organizations to engage in partisan political activity without fear of tax-exempt status revocation? And the answer is perhaps not. While the executive order may promote more relaxed enforcement, um, the restrictions on partisan polity activity still exist in statute and legislative action would be required to change the law. That hasn't happened yet, beloved. In addition, the executive order may face legal challenges in court. The executive order also raises the question whether churches should be treated differently from non-religious 501c3 entities. Until and unless the statute is changed, um, the statute is changed. 501c3 organizations would do well to refrain from participating in partisan political political activity. So uh, that's what we did yesterday. We didn't speak about, we didn't name parties, we didn't name candidates. 
we named religious issues. And anybody can do with those religious issues what they wish. But um, that is our part. We're not intruding on anything else except to tell Catholics, um, all Christians, their duty and their responsibility. And if you want to refresh yourself on those, go to Catholic.com and you can download for free a little book called um, The Voting Guide for Serious Catholics. The Voting Guide for Serious Catholics. It will give you those five points and will it will explain them and um, back them up. Okay. We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously <clears throat> and says, Good morning, Mother. I first want to thank you for teaching us about the f- truth of our faith. You are truly the best catechist in the world. Oh, my goodness. I think I'm going to print that out and frame it. But if I frame it, I'll put it in a drawer where nobody can see it because I, I don't think that's true. But I-, I-, I love your heart, and I'm glad that we encourage one another uh, in this way. She says, secondly, or he says, secondly, I would like to ask your thoughts of Father Michelle Rodrigue. It's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L, Rodrigue. Like many people, I believe that God may send us prophets to lead us through these hard times. However, it is hard to discern if someone is genuine. Well, in most cases, I won't answer a question like that because I am not the one to determine that. Um, But I'm going to tell you, and this is not church approval, this is my personal opinion, that Father Michel Rodrigue, he's in Canada, Quebec, uh, is authentic. I believe it. We are listening to many of his talks. Uh, he's the 23rd children of the, the youngest of 23 children. God began speaking to him at age three. And I believe he's absolutely authentic. Uh, he has said nothing against church teaching uh, of all the talks we've listened to or read. And so I think he is a good one. You can go to the website just look up Father Michelle Rodrigue, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E, Michelle, um, and uh, just put his name in. Uh, you can go to Countdown to the Kingdom, and you'll find him on there as well. So I, I think uh, he's a good one to listen to, and in fact, um, I'm taking this upon myself. I could even recommend him that you all listen to him because I think he's authentic. Now, Number one, the church hasn't approved him. Number two, the church hasn't approved my opinion. And so you're on your own. But I'm giving you my opinion. All right. We have an email from Lydia from Ontario, Canada. Wow. Hi, Lydia from Ontario. That's where I went to high school, uh, actually in Toronto. And she says, just a comment. I'm so grateful as a recent convert to be received at any mass by our Lord. However, he comes to me. I'm grateful for open churches and adoration chapels where I can be in Jesus's real presence. Well, blessed be God, Lydia, and I'm with you. I'm grateful to be in the church, and I'm grateful that our Lord would come to us in any manner whatsoever. I absolutely agree with you. But again, if we have a choice... um, Communion on the tongue is the safer, it's the more reverent, and it's the one that is the norm of the church. 
And Lydia then gives background. She said, I came into the Catholic Church in 2016 after a dramatic conversion for many decades as a Protestant. I had tried to follow the scriptures but could not seem to win against private and sometimes public cultural sins. I chose churches to go with my lifestyle churches. God led me to a Protestant seminary online where the early church fathers opened my eyes for more and new ways of seeing. Well, blessed be God, because the early church fathers were all Catholic. Blessed be God. Distractions dropped away, including cable television, so that I could study. God gave me sacred music and art eventually an Ignatian retreat and a Carmelite spiritual director. Oh, my goodness. I am a goosebump. Um, Lydia, what a good name you have also. Uh, There's the music for our second break. So hold on, and we'll finish your email right after the break. And the lines are wide open, beloved. You're welcome to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. 30 Seconds on the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, brought to you by the Station of the Cross. The gift of understanding helps our minds to comprehend religious and natural truths. This is why discussions with unbelievers don't always end in conversion. It's true, they may see your point and still choose to act differently, but many times they do not have the gift of understanding. Be patient. Thank God for the gift of understanding and pray for others to receive that gift as well. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our last segment, and you're uh, welcome to call in again. As always, with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. We're right in the middle of a of an email from Lydia from Ontario, Ontario Canada, and... Um, <clears throat> And I'm going to read it very quickly from the beginning. Just a comment. She says, I'm so grateful as a recent convert to be received at any Mass by our Lord. However he comes to me, and I think Lydia's comment follows our discussion on the tongue or the hand. I understand, Lydia, if after all these years you're finally Catholic and he finally comes to you, you're not going to complain if it's on the tongue or in the hand. I understand that, sweetheart. Um, I'm grateful for open churches and adoration chapels where I can be in. Uh, Jesus' real presence. She gives a little background. She said, I came into the Catholic Church in 2016 after a dramatic conversion from many decades as a Protestant. I had tried to follow the scriptures, but could not seem to win against private and sometimes public cultural sins. I chose churches to go with my lifestyle choices. God led me to a Protestant seminary online where the early church fathers opened my eyes for more and new ways of seeing. Distractions dropped away, including cable television, so that I could study. God gave me sacred music and art, eventually an Ignatian retreat and a Carmelite spiritual director. Oh, Lydia, this is just a dream. God was on your tail. No, no question about it. She continues, in that time, I had an amazing nudge to drive to a Catholic church, an adoration chapel. Mercy was painted on the stairs, so I followed them. I sat in front of a closed box, the tabernacle, without understanding, but sensing that it was very familiar. I looked around in the silence at the sacred art and prayed a little, then noticed four books. I had a feeling that if I opened one of them, I might see something about Mary or another controversial issue that would challenge me. At the same time, I felt the Lord tugging me. To my surprise, I found scripture, psalms, prayers. <laughs> I know, I know, Lydia, how you feel when I found Catholic books that I would say, oh, now what? It's going to be speaking about Mary or prayer to the saints or whatever it is. And, and, um, and I would open up and find scripture and I'd say, yay, Catholics read scripture. <laughs> Isn't that silly? To you Catholics, it sounds silly. Catholic Church gave the world the scriptures, but um, Protestants aren't taught those things. So uh, Lydia says, um, I went home delighted and ordered the full set of the Liturgy of the Hours. Starting listening, uh, I started listening to Catholic Answers and other EWTN programs. Um, Often, I would have a question in my mind, and it would suddenly be answered on the radio. I was drawn by the Holy Spirit gently to the 33 days of consecration to Jesus through Mary. Um, 
first uh, by St. Louis de Montfort and then by Father Gately. I obeyed before I understood, exclamation mark. That's astounding. I obeyed before I understood. That's fantastic. I thirsted so much for the full truth that through RCIA, um, and I continued toward the happiness of all my days when I entered the church. I cannot go to enough masses, sit enough before the Blessed Sacrament, or read, study, and pray enough. Mother Mary has moved me at a heavenly speed closer to her son. I am only starting on my journey. Oh, what a fabulous heart God gave you, Lydia. She says, I have a passion to pray for priests, religious, and baptized for all souls, and that the church will again shine brilliantly to, to guide the world to God. Thank you, Mother Miriam, Lydia. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in Lydia's life. Thank you, Blessed Mother. Um, and Lydia, don't stop. Every word you've said is true, and we all long for the same. When the church will again lead the world to God. Pardon my yawn. And we have the opportunity to do that right now through this dark time. We have Dennis from uh, Massachusetts on the line. Hi, Dennis. Well, Mother, it's such a pleasure to listen to you that's right on with everything you say. What I like about you is the firmness, the toughness, and the knowledge, and you're on fire, and you know. Uh, I love country. you, Dennis. Mother, let me tell you this. I used to write to Mother Angelica. I even received a letter from her. Uh, I've met, good. like I say, priests. I, I was with a priest from Edinburgh, Scotland, that I was already on fire from 93. Well, let me tell you what bothers me. Is you're 93 phone. or it was 1993? 1993. It was in 1993. Okay, go ahead. I picked up a book on St. Francis. It just engulfed me. Uh From that day on, I read all the giants. And then when I seen what was Mother Angelica was doing, I realized, just like I realized with you and Mother Teresa, I showed all the films. I helped run the Catholic communities in federal prisons. I had rosary groups going. What bothers me is this, and you can give me the answer, just like Mother Angelica could. We need people to not be afraid to speak up the truth with firmness. And I've told priests this. I said, why don't you tell everybody they can receive communion unless they're in a state of grace? That's and he right. said, you're right. I said, well, Unless well, they're not it. in a state of grace. Yeah, yes, yeah. Right. I, I, I knew I'm you just, meant that. Yeah. I, I shake when I talk about yeah. my church because yeah. I, people tell me, How, where, did you get, where did you get all the knowledge? I said, very simple. It's there for all of us. That's right. We have the treasure of treasures. That's right. We have the king of kings. And I had my foot in hell. Mary pulled me mm. right out. Oh, I knew from the God. beginning. I've had divine intervention with me three times. Wow. I'll write it to you someday. I'm not going to take all your time. There's only all a right, few minutes Dennis. left. But let me tell you, I thank you just like I thank Mother Angelica, Mother Teresa. We need this. By the way, my all-time favorite from the past is St. Catherine of Siena. Oh, yeah. She's, she's the one. She's the spirit that the world needs. 
Absolutely. Dennis, I love you. Live the faith and be be gentle with those who don't live it or don't know it as you do, because what you've received, sweetheart, is a gift. And we need to be grateful for it. I cry over it. I understand. I was on my way to hell on on, on an express train, you know. Yes. And uh uh, anyway, uh, I I thank God. And by the way, I'll be doing 20... I'll be doing all the rosaries today. Good, good. God bless you, my brother. I'm so glad you called in because there's a lot of people who say, Mother, I don't, I don't object to what you say, but it's the way you say it. Can't you speak a little more soft or gentle? And so I don't mean not to be gentle, but we need to be clear. We need to be truthful. Our souls depend on it. Yeah, and we got some good bishops. We have one of we them do. that, you know, you know, the fellow that just in Wisconsin... Bishop, you know Bishop what his name is? He is a giant, and he speaks softly but firm. He's right in your. He's in your. Is, are you That's speaking about, about Madison, Wisconsin, Bishop High? Yes, yes. He just spoke two days ago in front of, I think, in front of City Hall with another bishop. Yeah, and with the Rosary Rally. Yep. Yep. That's God a, bless yeah, you. I'm, I'm part of that every day. Oh, bless you, Dennis. Thanks for your call. Thanks for your encouragement. What's that? I thank God for this phone call. God bless you. Thank you, dear one. And there's the closing music, beloved. Um, And we'll be with all of you tomorrow. Follow Dennis. Don't be afraid. The world needs what you have. The world needs the faith. And Father Stan Fortuna once said, if we keep it to ourselves, we are thieves. God bless you all. We'll speak with you tomorrow.